0: resilient and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research and technology related to blueberry production. This is The Business of Blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. This past month, members of our blueberry community and their neighbors had to deal with unprecedented and catastrophic flooding in areas of British Columbia and Washington State. The full impact is not known yet, but the blueberry industry in this region was affected. This of course was not the first time the Pacific Northwest faced unprecedented weather events. You'll recall our episode this past summer talking with some of these same growers about the record-breaking heat they experienced during their season. Today's episode is going to be a special report from the area detailing what they've gone through and what it means for their farms and their production going forward. Joining me are three voices you've heard from previous episodes of this podcast, Steve Phillips of Berry Hill Foods and Jason Smith of Fraser Valley Farms, both in British Columbia, and then Brian Sakuma of Sakuma Farms in Washington State. As I was following closely with the news coming out of the region during the flooding, I came across a picture of Steve Phillips appearing to be helping with the evacuation efforts there in Abbotsford. I was able to catch up with Steve at the Washington Small Fruit Conference to ask him about what he saw while he was helping up there.
1: It has devastated our Sumas farming community, just intense waters and flooding and evacuations and highway closures and mudslides and yeah, you couldn't get to certain areas of the Fraser Valley because all the roads were shut down and they're having a hard time getting food in there and blueberry fields were underwater and their dairy farms and poultry and pork. This is one of the biggest growing regions that supports BC's food chain in the Fraser Valley. And yeah, to see this all go down, it's devastating. We got friends and family that live in these areas and Just the devastation that they're going through right now and the uh, road ahead of them, that's not easy. It's devastating to see.
0: There are certainly some tragic stories in all this, especially for those located in the Sumas Flats, which is an area just southeast of Abbotsford and northeast of Linden, Washington on the U.S. side.
1: The area that we're talking about, the Sumas Basin there, the Sumas Flats, there were some other regions like Matskewe Flats, but they get water and it drains off quick. But the the Sumas Flats, what happened was is the Nooksack broke and it uh, flooded down into our area there because it used to be a lake bed. I don't know exactly how many acres, but there's probably about around a thousand acres of blueberries that are affected right now. Some have come out of the water and the water has been drained out of those fields, but some are still under a bit of water. I, I don't know the exact number. So that's kind of the geographical area of that. But I mean, there is a lot of other areas that were not affected in BC.
0: Part of the devastation was a result of how fast that water rose in this area. There just was not time to prepare. And a lot of people were even left stranded. Steve and others in the community took out their own boats as part of the rescue effort.
1: Yeah, it was, um, the first day, like I'm talking in Canadian talks so millimeters, we had about 150 to 200 millimeters of rain in one day, which I've never seen before. And, um, that night it rained and there were mudslides up on the hills and, and up in the canyons and the highways were washing out, but it didn't really reach the flats right away. Once all that water started trickling down to the flats, the water was rising so fast. I heard from somebody that was down in, in the flood zone that it was coming up for a while there, a foot every 15 minutes. And I think that contributes to the, the point that you were making and why were there still tractors around and like what there was still farm equipment. It was just so quick that they didn't have enough time. It was personal belongings, what's the most important, and get out. When I jumped onto scene down there, I was watching the devastation, and I was just heartbroken that there was so many people that we know and, you know, the community down there. And so I just went down there with my little boat and um, started taxiing people back and forth from this stranded island. There was about 200 people stranded on this little Overpass island, kind of thing for the night. So I was just taking them back and forth. I think we got about 80 people out by boat. And then the water receded a little bit later that night, enough that we were able to guide people out in their vehicles. So uh, there was about 200 people that we got out there. And, you know, some people were being rescued from the flats in jet boats, taxied over to this island. And then we were taking them the rest of the way. And it was really emotional. There was families coming across with little kids and just the mom coming across and um the dad was staying back trying to save the farm and they had little backpacks on their backs and you know they had no idea really what was going on they were just let's get out and where's daddy and mom was just straight panic face and it was really devastating to see really heartbreaking
0: i can't even imagine According to the BC Blueberry Council, approximately 2,500 acres experienced this flooding, and of these, 1,000 acres were severely impacted there in Canada. Jason Smith says he's seen flooding in this region before, but nothing like this.
2: Where I am in Matsqui is, you know, I'm on the opposite side of the mountain, and, you know, we've had flooding before. Sumas has had flooding before. You know, it, it's drained away relatively fast. There's a great pump system out there exactly for that, to drain that water away fast. I've never seen anything like this before. Like the rainfall was one thing. And then with the Nooksack, you know, flooding and also the dike breaching, it's a very extreme circumstance. And quite honestly, I hope I never see it again.
0: Regional experts acted swiftly to prepare a special report entitled Berry Crops and Flooding, which has a lot of helpful information. We'll have a link to that report in our show notes. But Jason says that the full impacts will take time to truly understand.
2: I'm not sure that the fields that were 100% submerged for two plus weeks will not have water completely removed from the field for at least another two weeks. I'm not sure that that reflects the situation that they're in necessarily. I think this is an extreme case. For a very small area of the production in BC. And I think that we will never know. But at the end of it, you know, it's a business decision. And are they going to wait for, you know, five, six years to find out whether those plants will completely recover or not? That will be an individual decision. I just, I'm not sure that, you know, being, completely submerged for that long, you know, that I would risk the next 10 years of my livelihood on it.
0: Obviously, the number one concern here is for the farms and families affected by this disaster. For those who may be also wondering how this will impact production in the region, Jason doesn't think it will significantly change the supply or the quality of blueberries coming out of British Columbia.
2: It's a fairly small area out of our overall production that is significantly affected. And uh, I'm not concerned about uh, the supply of blueberries coming out of British Columbia at all. We have a very good food safety program in place and all growers are participating. And I don't think there's any issues with supply or quality of the fruit going forward into the next season.
0: In addition to the tour I had of the flooding region while I was at the small fruit conference there in Linden, I also have stayed in close contact and communication with Brian Sakuma and Alan Schreiber to understand the impacts this flooding may have on our blueberry farms on both sides of the border. Brian has shared that both Skagit and Whatcom counties have been affected by the flooding, standing water, and the debris.
3: Researchers would say that if a plant was totally dormant at the fullest level where they had lost all their leaves the plants conditioned you know to take not only a fair amount of water but a fair amount of cold within the field in a field like that you know most people would say would probably take a little bit more abuse than a variety or a field that you know the plants were still moving and as i had noted to you we went by a few fields where you know, there was a fair amount of leaves still on the bushes. So my take of it was they were, you know, some varieties that were laid in the dormant. And in my opinion, those fields will probably receive a little bit more damage than some of the other fields. But what I've heard is, is that uh, the universities and a lot of the professional people are trying to put together assessments as we speak and trying to determine you know, the extent of damage, because it not only went into the fields, but as you and I also saw, there was a lot of machinery that, you know, were totally engulfed, you know, in water, and they were still sitting kind of where they were sitting while all this happened. It wasn't only the fields, but the equipment, as well as, you know, in certain of the parts of the cities of uh, Everson and Sumas, a lot of the houses went under as well
0: how the blueberries withstood these conditions will depend somewhat on their levels of age and dormancy all involved are hoping that we are pleasantly surprised with the resilience of these crops come springtime.
3: I would say that, you know, we won't know the full impact until we come out at the spring and uh, you know, hopefully things will end up being better than what we had hoped. But, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, there won't be any assurances until plants start growing or don't grow, you know, as we entered into the springtime. So, but I know there'll be a lot of assessment as we go along. And, you know, this didn't only affect the large plants, but it also affected, you know, newly planted plants. I've heard that, you know, in a lot of cases where there was a lot of movement of water through the fields. And if a plant was just planted, you know, there's a lot of plants that may have gotten pulled from the soil or minimum you know, had disrupted root systems and maybe got pulled or leaning in the field. So.
0: Well, I know we are all hoping for the best outcome for our growers in these areas affected by the flooding. Our hearts go out to all those who involved. Steve Phillips adds that we need to look out at the root cause of this event and figure out what can be done to make sure these types of things don't happen again in the future.
1: There had been other floods. There was in the 1990, there was one not as bad, 1948. There was another one. And I mean, within the last hundred years that this has been like taken out of from a lake and made into farmland and, you know, the dikes, all the levees that have been put in place to keep the water out, you know, they've been holding and every once in a while you get one of these events and, you know, something breaks open. But I think the key focus going forward is we need to remember that the water wants to go back to its home. It wants to go to the lake. And if we don't keep up with the maintenance of these dikes and levees and uh, drainage canals and pumps, and this it, will happen again. And it's just, it's not acceptable. We have the technologies, we have the wherewithal, we have the people to keep these things up to standard and we need to do a better job.
0: Thank you to Steve, Jason, and Brian for sharing this important report. I encourage everyone listening to check out that report that we mentioned. Again, we'll link this in the show notes. That's it for episode 78. On behalf of all of us here at the USHBC, we'd like to wish you and yours the very best this holiday season. I hope you all get some time to rest, enjoy your family, and reflect on the year we've had before we head into the new year ahead. We look forward to working with all of you on making 2022 the best year yet for our blueberry industry and helping achieve our vision of making blueberries, the world's favorite fruit. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the business of blueberries.